It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, folks, and welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, where our goal every week is to help you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, and in the studio with me is Josh Gregory. Kevin is away on his mission trip to Liberia, if you missed that. Kevin's going to be gone for a couple weeks. He's doing a mission trip with his church over in Liberia. No Ebola, please. Uh, and he'll be he'll be back in the studio in a few weeks. Later in the show, we're going to be joined by special guest Diane Bennett, real estate agent with REMAX 100. Yeah, we're excited to have Diane joining us later in the program. Today's show is actually launching a two-part series where we'll be focusing on the real estate state market this year. And uh, the first installment here, we're going to be centering on buying a house. Next week, we'll be talking about selling your house. Yeah. Before Diane joins us, though, in the studio, we're going to be answering some of your questions and even one that focuses on what if your name ends up on the state's unclaimed property list, which I know a lot of people have been hoping for that jackpot, that lottery winner. But we're going to talk about how to keep your property off of there and what you do if you find your name there. If you have a question for the show, we invite you to submit that to wisemoneyradio.com. You can get all the information on the show, listen to past episodes, but then you can also submit a question right there on the right. If you're driving and have a question or a comment or anything else you want to tell us, give us a call. 574-222-2000. You won't be live on the show, but you can communicate right to us and all the details of your question will answer it on an upcoming show. That is what our first uh, caller did, Len from South Bend. He's 69, retired military. He called in on the voicemail box a couple weeks ago, actually while the show was in progress, really hoping that we'd be able to address it right there on the air because we were talking about long-term care. And it was uh, it was an emotional show, and I think a lot of people wonder what's going to happen, what would happen to them or a loved one if they needed long-term care services or needed to go into a nursing home. And so he said, what's available for, military, for a military retiree in the way of TRICARE or Medicare if there's an illness like Alzheimer's? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for your service, Lynn. I mean... Man, in this country right now, hopefully you feel appreciated. I think we're we're at a point in our our nation's history where hopefully we're better at showing that appreciation to our veterans. But for all of our listeners out there, including Len, thank you, thank you, thank you. Especially as we're coming into Memorial season, Memorial Day season, all that, and uh, we've got our nation's uh, birthday coming up, all that. It, it gets me thinking anyway about our veterans. Well, Kevin's so, a veteran. Yeah. Casey, who's producing the show, he's a veteran. So yeah. Awesome. Glenn, Glenn, you're in good company. So yeah, thanks again for the question. And so you mentioned something that I think is one that trips a lot of people up initially and, and you ask what's available for with Medicare and so on. And once again, Medicare really doesn't offer a solution for needing long-term care, whether it's from Alzheimer's or not. They, that's kind of hospital care to get you well. And so what's embedded in medical care is a certain amount of this type of care for a few days, as long as you're in a hospital for three days prior to that. 
um, and then it will offer up to a hundred days of, of care. Uh, but but so it's not dependable though. I mean, exactly. it, it's not something that you can count on being uh, the solution for your long term care. And I, I assuming that's why Len is asking. Well, is is the, a VA benefit going to be an option for me? Yep. And the the answer, like so many financial answers, are it depends. Uh, I did a little research on this on VA.gov because I had a feel for it, but I wanted to brush up on some of the details. And so under the long-term care planning section of VA.gov, there is home and community-based service as part of the VA medical benefits package. So it does include for some adult daycare or respite care or skilled home care. However, he mentions Alzheimer's, and I have that in my family as well. We're dealing with it right now. If you've ever dealt with it, you know someone in that condition really can't stay at home or really shouldn't for long. They need around-the-clock assistance. And so assisted living and nursing home care is only covered by VA if you meet certain eligibility criteria, which include, well, was your illness related to uh, your time in the service or when Uh, When were you in the service and so on? So there's some criteria that would need to be met. But then one more thing, Josh, not to cut you off. However, even if it doesn't pertain to that, you could still get some benefit, some financial benefit from the VA if you need to go into a nursing home. It's under the aid and attendance pension benefit. And I'm just helping a client with this right now. So if you served in the military for more than 90 days, and at least one of those days was during wartime, you could be eligible for some assistance in paying for the nursing home. But you can't have more than a certain amount of money and you can't have more than a certain amount of income, so you've got to qualify. Well, and that, that income threshold is higher, is my understanding, for VA benefits as compared to maybe Medicaid, which is a state program. It yep. basically says you've got to spend everything down to next to nothing if you're a single individual before the state will step in and, and help you with those expenses. Now, so, so Medicaid is more stringent on being able to qualify for, but so the VA is a little bit more lax in that regard. But as Casey would be quick to tell you, applying for it or the process of getting through it is not going to be easy. So there's something available. It depends, Len, and everyone else who's finding themselves in, in this spot. I would I would start evaluating that for yourself and, and get to know what those rules are. You know, you, you mentioned that this is a tough process, and I actually am just barely getting started in this process with a, a client that I've worked with for ages. She just went into a nursing home. She's a widow, and I, I don't know her husband, but I went to visit her in the nursing home, and she told me for the first time after several years of, of working together that her husband, basically on his deathbed, said, now, honey, uh, if you get into a pinch, then just remember that there's some sort of VA benefits out there that you may be able to go get for me. Huh. And I was like, well, I didn't even know he had served in the military or any of this. I've never met the guy. Yeah. Um, but this is all coming out. And she's like, well, maybe it's time to start looking into this. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, why hadn't he looked into this prior? And Apparently, he's kind of a self-sufficient type, you know, doesn't want to be dependent on the government, didn't want to stick his hand out and say, hey, give me this or give me that. And uh, he just never really looked into it. But now that 
we're needing to consider looking into it, it, it looks like not a real easy process, right? Right. right. And it, my understanding is if you want to go sit and talk with someone, you've got to go to a regional uh, center, yep. which I, I think the closest one is really Indianapolis. So, Well, we actually have a great resource here in town for VA benefits. Uh, his name is Kevin. I've worked with him on a few cases. He is unbelievable. He is someone that makes your problem, his problem. That's and awesome. even if he can't particularly solve it himself, he will work with you to help you out. So so there's, uh, there's a little endorsement um, for yeah, our I'm local office. Glad so. I got that uh, referral from you there. There you go. You're writing it down. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question is from Anonymous. I don't think that's an official name, uh, but someone who just submitted a question online and didn't leave any information about themselves. She or he said, I've heard you guys talk about the need to have a retirement plan or projection done. When do you suggest someone do that? When they're closer to retirement or sooner? Sounds like they're looking for an age or something there. But, you know, I would give maybe a short answer being as soon as you declare that retirement is a goal that you want to pursue. As soon as you've you've decided that this is important and you want to accomplish this in your life, you need to do a retirement projection of some sort because... The whole point is to quantify the goal. You need to put a price tag on what this goal is going to to cost you. And specifically, I'm referring to what is it going to cost you in monthly or annual savings? What do you need to be doing now, between now and retirement ultimately, to make sure that that goal is achievable? Yeah, and what you're referring to there is... Time plays such a big, I've said this on the show before, time plays such a big factor in really reaching any financial goal, but retirement especially. And if you delay, if you wait too long to have a projection done, time can start working against you. And you really want to have time on your side. That's what helps you with compound interest and all of that. And so I think the question here was kind of baited to, like you said, Josh, what what age and really, I, I, I would answer it the same way you did. When is that retirement goal coming into focus for you? And our, our hope would be earlier. You know, early in my career, the youngest client that I uh, had ever worked with at that point came to me when he was 21 years old and retirement was his number one goal, which is strange, right? I mean, most 21-year-olds are not thinking about retirement. They might be thinking about accumulating um, stuff for a house or whatever. But the, the point is, is that he was able to ease off of the throttle a little bit at one point when he lost his job temporarily. Because he had done so much heavy lifting early in his career, he got an early start and it gave him more flexibility. Oh, only if everyone were like that. What, a, right. what a luxury. So Great, guys. Uh, once again, we've got special guest Diane Bennett joining us in the studio a little bit later in the show. Coming up, we've got more listener questions here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello and welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I'm Mike. I'm here with Josh in the studio. Kevin is not in, and that's our benefit. Later in the show, we're going to have real estate agent, special guest, Diane Bennett joining us from Remax 100. We're going to be talking about the current housing market, and all sorts of things with buying your house and all of that. Right now, we're taking your questions, and we just had one from an anonymous listener, fan of the show, about when to start planning for retirement. And what's interesting is planning for retirement really is is something that you ought to be doing with a financial advisor. 
And Dan's question, that's a fairly good segue. Dan from Granger, he submitted his question online at wisemoneyradio.com. And he said, there are a lot of choices out there in the marketplace as far as financial advisors. What are some of the attributes you should look for when choosing a financial advisor? You know, I, I think we need to hit this topic more frequently than we do. If we can times. do it unbiased, right? I think well, we don't want people to think we're... No, this is... It's like so this, this is, is a giant infomercial or this something? This is not. Dan is a real person. I emailed him back. He is not in the financial business at all. And so this is a legitimate question. And we are going to answer this unbiased. Good. Well, and it's it's really a topic that we need to hit frequently just because, honestly, if, if I was just out in the general public looking at our industry, trying to decipher what is the difference between all of these financial advisors, quote unquote, because uh, everybody and their brother uses that phrase, right? right? W- whether they're really truly doing financial planning or not, it's just sort of a marketing term is, is the way that I perceive it. But uh, y- you've got CPAs out there these days, some of them selling mutual funds or annuities, or you may find an insurance agent that will offer you some kind of a, a free financial plan so that they can match you up with one of the products that they sell. But the, the way that we use that term here, um, I, we really ascribe to the beliefs and the the system of certified financial planners, CFPs. And you hear us talk all the time about a comprehensive approach to financial planning. And believe it or not, there are actually CFPs out there that don't take a yep. comprehensive approach. So we want someone who has the breadth of knowledge, but also is taking a broad view, giving advice on your full financial picture, not just focusing on one key area. Yeah. I- I was doing a little research, digging around online, trying to see, okay, well, I know how I would answer this question, but let me see if there's tips or tricks out there. I know the Certified Financial Planning Board has a a question, these 10 questions and seven characteristics that they would want you to use in searching for a financial advisor. I want to go through that a little bit as well. But yeah, the first thing when I was searching for this, how do you find a financial advisor? Pretty much every article said, look for someone that's a certified financial planner that doesn't guarantee or assure that you've got a high quality person, but there's enough uh, criteria there from an education, ethics, and experience standpoint that that's a great place to start. I then kind of narrowed it down to really four areas. So Dan, this starts answering your question. The first is you want to look for someone that has high character, high degree of character. And by that, I'm going to use a little bit of jargon, Josh, don't throw anything at me, but you'd want that person to be a fiduciary, which means they're going to act They pledge to act in your best interest. Second is objectivity, uh, again, under character, meaning they're not out there just selling their own product. No, they're going to be objective about all the financial tools out there. Or at least will disclose to you where are their conflicts of interest here so that you know you've got all the information that you need to make a wise, informed decision and you're not being steered into something that's really better for the advisor than is for you. That's right. And saying that, I mean, that points to fiduciary as well, doing something that's in your best interest. Um, And then compliance and privacy. You want to make sure that they follow all the rules. And one of those rules is not sharing your private information with anyone else. And so all of that under character. Second, you want to find someone who's competent so that they've got the education and experience. And usually that comes the way of licenses and designations like the CFP Josh just mentioned. But you also want to have someone that has an educational bias, someone that's a lifelong learner. Finances change all the time. 
And I, this is a bit unbiased, but I love learning new things and reading this stuff. And we have debate and dialogue back and forth about all the latest things uh, and financial tips and strategies that are out there. So you got to have someone that is knowledgeable, but loves to learn. And I'm almost done. <laughs> you need to know what the services are that they offer. So that's the third thing, character, competence, and then services offered. Is it just investments or actual planning? In my yeah. opinion, you're going to want someone who can help you with more than just investments and understand how investments fit in your financial life. And then finally is cost. What is their charge and how do they charge? Anyone that charges just based on a commission, it, it'd be hard to say that they're purely acting in your best interest and their objective is if they're just operating on a commission. You typically uh, would like to see someone who charges hourly for their financial planning or a fee-based approach. You know, Dan's question was, was kind of, uh, how do you single out from the crowd the right financial advisor? But I would also give you just the feedback on how, how do you know that you're ready to work with a financial advisor? Ooh, you know, there, there's a lot of financial advisors that would quantify that and say, well, once your portfolio is a certain size, then we can talk. Until then, sorry, yeah. uh, you know, I reserve my services for only this elite group. But it's, for us, you know, it's more of a, a qualitative uh, standard that we try to hold all of our future clients to. And it's twofold. It's, are you coachable and are you goal oriented? If you don't have goals in mind, if you don't have something that you're trying to accomplish in your financial life, then what's the point? Why really? would you hire an, a financial advisor right. if you're not trying to get from where you are to some other destination? Exactly. But on the same hand, if you think you've got it all figured out already and you're really just wanting to get into a debate with somebody so that you can prove yourself right a little bit uh, deeper, you know, that that's probably not worth your time either. You could read a book or go get a magazine that will do that for you. So to me, knowing that you are at a point in life where you need advice and you recognize that, but you're ready to receive it, that is when you know it's time to start hunting for a financial advisor. Yeah, good point. I mentioned that the Certified Financial Planning Board says that there's 10 key questions that you should be asking. And I know these are going to go kind of quick, but I, I want to put them out on the air. I want you to, I want you to know this if, if you're shopping and, and thinking about hiring a financial planner, maybe for the first time or not. But so the first one is you should ask what kind of experience do you have? And that one's obvious, but how long have you been in the business and uh, what's your experience? And again, just like with having a CFP credential that, you know, someone who's been in the industry for 30 years may not have it all figured out. They may be coasting, uh, but asking about their experience, what kind of qualifications do you have? So the CFP designation would be one. Uh, what financial planning services do you offer? What's your approach to financial planning? What types of clients do you work with? Will you be the only financial advisor working with me? That one's interesting for our office since we work as a team. So I think people benefit from that approach, having a team base with a lead advisor. How will I pay for financial planning? That's kind of like the other one about what's your cost. Uh, how much do you typically charge? Do others stand to gain from your financial advice to me? So that's the objectivity question, Josh, we already talked about. And have you ever been publicly disciplined in your career? And that's something else to point out. Any financial advisor, you can research online through something called, I think it's brokercheck.com. sounds it, right. Or it might be brokercheck.org. But you can, I actually had a client move away recently. And usually we keep a relationship, but in this case, he wanted to, uh, to, to hire a new advisor and sent me some information about someone he was referred to. And the first thing I did was just look him up on broker check. And let me just say, it wasn't 
it wasn't pretty. And so I just mm. communicated that to him. So that's a free, helpful resource out there. I, I, yeah, I, I think looking into that type of resource that you show up for your very first meeting with a potential financial coach and you're ready to interview them. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're doing basically a, a uh, job application or a job interview in a way. And, uh, you know, this, this whole topic, it is one that I think we should hit more frequently. But I, I was actually talking to a client the other night and uh, he asked me the question, why are you guys doing this radio show? And he, he added to his question, is it to get new clients? Mm hmm. And I, I kind of paused for a second, and my, my response to him was, you know, our hope is that our existing clients will always be our number one source of new clients. Because if we take good care of our existing clients, then hopefully they're, they have a story to share with people that they care about and everything. And if that's true, then it leaves the radio show to be something different. And it's about educating the community. That's right. And, and hopefully convincing more of you that it's time to go find your financial advisor. That doesn't have to be with Corhorn Financial Group. And in fact, we can't work with everybody. There's just not enough time, not enough resources, not enough energy. And that's one of the reasons why we want to educate through the radio waves. But if we can motivate you to do anything, it's to go get connected with a financial advisor that you trust. And I would refer to that as the number one action item to take out of this show. Right now, schedule a time to go start the hunt. I love it. And that's true. I've had a lot of people ask about the radio show as well and the motivation. And it is about educating the community. So speaking of educating the community, very excited when we come back. Diane Bennett, realtor with the Inspired team at REMAX 100, will be joining us to talk about the housing market and much more here on Wise Money with Fullhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michigan with News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike, and I'm joined by Josh, as usual. Kevin is not here, and in his chair, the wonderful Diane Bennett is here in the studio with us to talk about the real estate market and what you need to know about buying a house this season and uh, we're excited to have you with us. We are excited, Diane. Welcome to the show. Diane is a, a real estate agent with Remax 100 and has a whole team of uh, real estate professionals that she works with called the Inspired Team. So, Diane, welcome. Thank you so much. All right. So we're actually launching a two-part series here with Diane where we're going to be talking about this year's housing market and what's going on and all of that. We're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about buying a home and what you need to be aware of. Uh, but before we start, Diane, why don't you just share a little bit of an introduction. Tell us about your team. Tell us about who you are. Okay, so my name is Diane Bennett, and I'm a realtor with Inspired at REMAX 100. Inspired is a faith-based team of realtors working together to make real estate dreams come true. And we usually ask people, what are your real estate dreams? Hmm. Um, so the team concept is so that we don't have to do anything um, and feel like we're not getting the client's needs met. We have a team concept so that we can get clients what they want, when they want it, without having staff burnout, because it's a very needy transaction. When oh, yeah. a person is buying or selling, this is your home, this is your world, and people need things done right now, and we want to get it done on the client's needs. We're all about you. So I love that. And yeah, you've got to be on demand. Stuff happens all the time. I mean, just very, very quick. 
very quickly. So that's why we have a team. And plus, the other thing about the team is that different people on the team have different strengths. So there's some people that are better at this and some people that are better at that. And, you know, all of those different things are needed in a real estate transaction. Yeah, I got it. So what's your role on the team specifically? So I'm in sales. I love to help a buyer find a house. I love to help a seller sell his house or her house. And um, so I'm mostly sales and I'm also the team leader. I was the first person that kind of started working with other people. And so everybody else on the team is newer than I am. Um, But we're very much a partnership scenario. It's not like I'm a leader or anything like that. I want to lead well, Mm -hmm. but... um, so I'm the founder. Is that team concept, is that unique in this area or are more real estate professionals moving that direction? I'm not the only team. So Inspired is not the only team in the area. There are more. Um, it is a newer concept. It used to be you just hired one agent and they did everything for you, which is great if they don't do a whole lot of transactions in a year because there's so much involved paperwork. It's much harder to buy and sell a home today than it was 10 years ago, than it was 20 years ago. Um, Most of that comes from lender stuff. They have more hoops to jump through and paperwork to be required. I have older sellers that are confused when they're buying something new and they're like, wait a minute, you know, I have impeccable credit. It didn't used to be like this. Why do I have to do this now? Well, that's because the markets just changed. The industry's changed from having our downturn in our economy a few years back. So. All right. Well, that's a good segue. Bring us up to speed on where the housing market is so far in 2016. So the housing market is hot in Michiana. It's really, really fun. Um, There are many areas that have inventory shortages, which actually generate multiple offers and home selling for over asking price. It's really fun. I can't believe it. Fun problem to have. I can't believe it. It's really fun. It's really fun. That is wild. Are you going to sell your house now, Mike? No, I'm not. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Diane and I have had this conversation, but uh, I just it was just a couple years ago where you couldn't move anything. And, you know, I've been doing this 15 years now, and most of that were in a time where the real estate market was just tough. So it's great to hear you say that. It's really fun. And we heard this about California and the West Coast even three years ago. Oh, you know, inventory shortage, multiple offers over asking price. And, you know, we're like, yeah, where are you? Because it wasn't happening in Michiana. But I feel like, you know, everything kind of flows in America from West East. The weather does and, (laughs) you know, trends do for clothing. And so the housing market has come this way as well. So do you see this as a long-term trend or is this just a short-term anomaly that's occurring? There is no telling. That's a great question. There's no telling. Um, I don't have a crystal ball. Wish I did. (laughs) Um, It's a great year to sell your home. It's still a great year to buy a home. The interest rates are still really, really low. And I do feel like that's part of the reason that we're, you know, there are a number of buyers out there because it is a good time to buy still with interest rates really low, um, but it is a great time to sell as well, which is really unusual and fun. Hey, you know, for, I, for the uh, record, that's the first time someone's used the crystal ball analogy on me. <laughs> Most yeah, of the time, it's like, you say hey, that I don't have a crystal ball, everyone, but uh-huh. yeah, there you go, Diane. Thanks. Good point. You know, I, I actually just had this conversation uh, with a client uh, yesterday, in fact, um, they're looking to maybe buy a house, okay. And um, but they have two houses to sell. They just got married, each had their own house, kind of merging their lives together, but want to move to a separate house in a different area. Mm-hmm. And um, it, you know, they were concerned about well, our price is just getting too too over the are they too hot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I tried to explain to them the same point that you just made that yeah, maybe prices are coming up, but that will benefit you on the sell side, right? Mm-hmm. It, uh, you might not get as screaming of a deal on the, on the price of the house, but we still have low interest rates. 
So if you can't get both low price on the house and low interest rates, at least they're still getting one of the two. Yeah. Well, let me let me jump ahead. What's your take on if you're buying a house, mm-hmm. should you sell your current house first before you buy, or or does now with the market being so hot dictate that? That always in every market depends on the particular seller. Okay. Mm. So if you are in a and if you're in a financial position that you and and also where's your house? So if you're in a financial position that you can afford to do so because some people can't, they don't have any kind of down payment without doing so. Um, so you've got to talk to your lender about that. Mm. And that would be a good guest for you guys to have a lender on the show sure. and talk about those kinds of things. Coming up in a couple weeks actually. Awesome. Yeah. Great. So um, so it depends on and you know, can you financially do so? Then let's look at where is your house? Is your house in a location that might still, even though the market's pretty hot, your particular pocket of the market is not as hot. We want to be a little bit more careful. You just really want to talk to a real estate professional before you make that decision if you're going to buy or sell. So you're going to, you're just going to talk to a real estate professional, hire someone that knows what it's all about and decide um, if it's right for you or not. So that's kind of how I say. Yeah. You know, I would add, talk to your financial advisor as well. Yes. Right. Because at the end of the day, there may be resources, some restructuring that you could do to, to temporarily possibly hold two houses. You know, my wife and I had to do that. For mm-hmm. example, we bought a house that needed some serious renovations. It was a project house mm. that we couldn't move into uh, until it was done. So we had to live somewhere. We may as well live in our Granger house. And, uh, you know, the, the price of our mortgage payment, for example, was less than we would have paid in rent. So it just economically, it made sense to just stay where we were, get that new house set up and and then move into it. But I, I don't typically recommend it to very many people because it, it was stressful. You know, the fear that, boy, we've got two houses now. What if we can't sell the old house? Mm-hmm. I, I had this recurring nightmare that something was going to come up in uh, an inspection that made it impossible to sell the house and we'd just be stuck. I actually saw it. I mean, the, the, my... I. I would lean that direction too. I actually agree with what both of you guys are saying, but I've I've just seen some terrible scenarios late 06, early 07, where people said, oh, my dream house is finally on the market. It's not I want to buy. I have to buy it. It's the house <laughs> we've always wanted. And they buy it. And then they're like, okay, well, then we've got time to clean up our old house and so on and so forth. And by the time they went to sell their house, the market was cresting, going down, and then it seized, as you know. And yeah. this one case in particular would drove them to bankruptcy. Yeah, wow. it was just tragic. I would really say you have to look at what is the condition and, and price point of your house and where are you in your mortgage and are you upside down in your mortgage and things like that. You have to look at that first. You have to know. So like if you've got a, a particular person that's thinking of selling and you know they need to speak to the real estate professional that's going to tell them, here's what things are going for in your yeah. market and here's the condition of your house. You actually maybe need to spend some money on your house first before you get it ready, you know. And then where do I go from there? You know, can I can I afford to do those things? And and what is my mortgage balance? What, what you know, get your agent to give you a net sheet. What do things look like on the net sheet that am I going to make a profit when I sell or am I going to have to pay to sell my house because in the downturn of the economy that you're talking about, Mike, People were paying to sell their houses. You would not believe the numbers that I have seen that sellers were paying to sell their houses in in the ten years I've been doing this. There's yeah, wow. people were sell, were paying to sell. Yeah. So well, this is why this is precisely why we wanted Diane Bennett and and a, and a realtor on the show because 
the, your house, that financial decision is one of the biggest financial decisions that you'll make in your life. And you want to do so with excellent advisors on your team. So whoever your financial advisor is and whoever your realtor is, they should be working together. The three of you should all know the financial ramifications of buying a house or selling a house and where you're at. So we've got more. We actually are going to be taking a a listener question about buying a house here in just a minute with Diane. So that and more coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. You know me. My name's Mike Bernard, and in the studio with me, Josh Gregory. Kevin is out today once again. Diane Bennett is taking his seat. She's a realtor with the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and we're talking about the real estate market and all of that stuff. We're actually about to take a question from Katie. She submitted online about selling her or excuse me, buying a house, and so we're looking forward to that. If you have a question for the show, you can submit that in two ways. Go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can see all the previous episodes and get information about the show, but also submit a question right there. And you can also leave a question by calling 574-222-2000. Katie submitted this by email. Katie's from Mishawaka. She says, my family has outgrown our current home and we are looking to buy a larger home this year to fit our growing family. Hey, I can relate. <laughs> what advice would you give Is that us? an announcement? No, no. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. I have made an announcement for someone else on our team yeah. on the show. Uh, <laughs> no, we had this, Diane. We, when we had our second child, we met with Diane and we're like, this house is busting out the seams. And so it was a great experience. So anyway, she says, what advice would you give, a, give us as we are looking to make a home purchase? Thank you. I would tell you it's I would do at least three steps. Okay. The first thing you're gonna want to do is speak to a realtor about your current home. Yeah. If you're it, because this person, Katie, has a home to sell, she needs to talk to the realtor first. So she needs to talk to a realtor about her current home. What price can she get from it? Get a net sheet. A net sheet is a is a piece of paper that the agent puts together that talks about these are the costs of selling a home. You pay title fees, you have um, closing costs, you have repairs that are needed. You know, you want to talk to a professional that does it all the time. It can give you a net sheet and say, this should be your bottom line. You do don't know until you get an offer, yeah. but this should be your bottom line. Does every realtor do that? No, not every realtor does it. Ask your realtor to... Is that different than a market analysis? Right. A market analysis is um, when the agent is looking at the comparable sales in your immediate area and those that are similar to you maybe in a broader area. That's a market analysis. What does she think or he think your home should get? And it's really irrelevant what the agent thinks. It's what the the buyers think that you'll get for your home. And it certainly is irrelevant what you think you can get for your home. It's what the buyers will will say. You know, I've, I've seen client situations where they're selling their house and they actually, for whatever reason, they get a market analysis from two different realtors. Mm-hmm. And it's striking how there's often a pretty wide gap between mm-hmm. the opinions. Mm-hmm. And um, what as we kind of dove into this a little bit more, we realized that one of the realtors 
is known for just selling houses quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, take whatever you can get, get it off the market, and everything's going to sell within you know 15 days or something. Mm-hmm. And so you you start questioning, well, is that because it's priced too low or or something like that? But how it, how do you decide whether or not you can put much faith in the realtor's uh, opinion on on uh, the price? Great question. So the first thing I would say is ask people that you know. Um, check out. Do they have you know? If you want to ask them for. Um, testimonials, ask them, you know, can, can you give me some names of some people that you sold, sold with that I can ask them their opinion of working with you or whatever. And just because someone says it's a higher price doesn't mean that they're the agent to go with. They may be trying to give you a higher price so they can get in and then they're going to beat you up on price later. So you want someone that's completely honest. You want someone that has your best interest at heart. They're not going to make money if the house doesn't sell. So if it's priced too high, they're not going to make any money. But maybe they're you know going to beat you up on price and get you lower. But maybe the lower one's telling you because really that's what you ought to be doing. So Tricky. Okay, so you mentioned you need to talk to a realtor, get an opinion on what your house might sell. Right. And then back to the buy side of the equation, or right. what would be next? Right, your- so then step two would be to speak to a local lender. And I highly recommend a local lender. Yes, you can borrow money from an online lender, but when you can go in and speak to a person face-to-face, um, and then you know that they have your best interest. You're looking them in their you know pupils. What does their eyes say? You know, So talk to them. Can you buy without selling, or do you... Um, Maybe do I need to work on my credit? Maybe I'm not in a position to buy yet. You know, if you've not found that out from your financial planner, you know, the lender can help you with that as well. Um, then you're going to go back to your realtor and you're going to set up a search for the dream home. And you have to be realistic. I, I have a girl, I'm going to call her Jane Doe, that wants, she doesn't actually have to sell. And that's a really luxury position to be in when you're a buyer and you're not busting at the seams. Yeah, you sure. you want to sell, but you don't really have to. Um, it's a luxury position. So she's been very demanding on the price that she wants for her home to the point that we're not 100% sure it will appraise at that pl- at price. Wow. So if mm. it's not going to appraise, there, that buyer can't buy it. Are we? Do we want to sell or not? You know, so you've got to look at comparable sales because if there's a loan involved and your buyer's getting a loan, it has to appraise. If the buyer's paying cash, which is very few buyers, then it doesn't matter if it appraises. But the buyer might want to be discriminating and have an appraisal done anyway. Um, so, so that's why you've got to find out that piece about what are the comparable sales, and then let's look at the buy one. What what's out there today? Um, is it is it on the market yet, or am I going to have to watch the market for it, or is your agent willing to? maybe do mailings and you know try and find someone that has the product that you're looking for is that getting harder you know we, we talked earlier about how this is very much a seller's market there's not a lot of inventory out there are, are you feeling like clients are having to lower their expectations on what they're going to be able to get because of that or do you just coach them to be patient something's going to come along What's, what's your advice there? Something always comes along. Yeah. Um, if they can be patient, they're in a luxury position. And I have several buyers that are looking for something specific. They don't have to buy yet because they live here already and they're not crunched at the seams. You know. So if you can wait, it'll come hmm. if you can be patient. So That voice you're hearing is not Kevin Corhorn. That is Diane Bennett from the Inspired Team at REMAX 100. We're talking about Katie's question about needing to... She's outgrown her home and she's looking to buy another one. And we're just kind of... Just getting into that. From a financial planning standpoint, I look and say, well, there's really two big issues here. You've got a lifestyle question. I mean, just because she says looking at a bigger home, which the financial nerd in me says, well, that's more cost, uh, Katie, watch out. And so you've got to figure out, you know, where you want to be, right, for your lifestyle. 
uh, you know, where do you want the kid to go to school and where do you want to shop? Where do you work? What neighborhood for, you know, safety and parks? You know, I, so I'm from Grand Rapids. I moved down here 15 years ago. There's no sidewalks. <laughs> and so to me, that was a big thing when we were looking for a house is sidewalks and parks and stuff like that. But then there's a the financial end of it too. So that's all lifestyle. The financial side is budget and cash flow, where you stand with your financial plan. And so all that has to be factored in here, Katie. So it seems like Diane, on your list, work with a realtor to get all of the analysis, work with a lender, but bring your financial planner into the discussion too. Would the advice change at all if this was a situation where this is a first time home buyer? You know, we're, we're talking about someone selling their house, needing to scale up the size of it for a growing family. But what advice would you have for first-time buyers? So first-time buyers are in a luxury that they don't have to sell, and they're usually in some kind of a rental situation, or maybe they still live with mom and dad. So that's helpful. Some first-time buyers are coming in from out of town to perhaps be a resident at St. Joe Hospital. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and so they may have to buy faster. But but for them, I would tell them when they're interviewing agents to try and find who they want to work with, they want to work with someone that really does want their best interest at heart, that really is living listening to what are their dreams? What is the lifestyle that they want to live? Do they want to live by the farmer's market? Do they want to live where they can bike to places? Do they want, you know, are they looking at private schools, public schools? What are their interests? So you really need to find an agent that wants to know what you want. It has to be, and someone with experience that knows, you know, how to get you what you want. Yeah, yeah, the, the negotiating trick, process, in other words. Absolutely. And, First-time yeah. homebuyers usually don't have a down payment, though. So that's a little tricky. From the financial end of it, as opposed to just the house, that sometimes is tricky. Where is the down payment going to come from? You know, some of the best advice that uh, someone gave me, and it was a financial advisor that gave this to was us. Was it me? It wasn't. It oh. was Kevin. I wasn't going to admit come that. Come on! Doggone it. I'm going to tell Kevin you said that. <laughs> I know. There's actually a bunch of advice he's given me over the years that's worked out really well. I try me not too. to admit it to him. No, but, me too. Yeah. So the advice was sit down. We, I, I remember Andrea and I, we went to Barnes & Noble back when it was on Grape Road before it moved to the mall. And we sat down and we made a list of all the amenities, all the things that we needed and wanted in our first house. And it was a checklist. And basically, it became a shopping list because when we started looking at houses, we could very quickly measure the house that we're looking at against the dream house, as you're referring to it, um, kind of the ideal scenario. And when we found the our first house in Granger, it checked everything off the list. And awesome. we were just shocked. Like, wow, this whole process actually worked. Thanks, Kevin. But be realistic, right, Diane? You have said that to be already. realistic, absolutely. And sometimes buyers will get to a point where they can't choose between two houses. I don't know which one should I get. I'm not sure. I find that if you can make a list, then you can kind of compare them on a list, and you can get a gut feeling. Sometimes one looks better on paper than the other, but I like the one that doesn't look as good. You know what? You're supposed to get the one that doesn't look as good. There's yeah. a gut feeling that has to come. Yeah, good stuff. If you missed anything, check out the podcast on iTunes, or I think it's on Google Play as well. Or go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can listen to all previous episodes. I want to thank Diane for joining us on the show today. She'll be back next week as we talk more about the real estate market and specific tips about selling your house. So on behalf of me and Josh, the rest of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Forhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. 
KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.